there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Walkie Talkies is a production of iHeartRadio and the College Athletes Network. Hey, Mo! Walkie Talkies. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Walkie Talkies Podcast with the coolest walking around the country. I'm your host, Noah Bono. All right, everybody. So we're three weeks in now, and if you've been listening every week, or you've listened to just a couple of episodes, how are we liking the show? What, what do we think? The, the reason I'm asking is because I got so many more amazing guests and interviews that are just sitting in the vault, like such a wide variety of different walk-on stories that I'm really so excited to keep sharing with you all uh, as I continue to interview more and more people. But anyway, if you have been enjoying the show and you like what you've been listening to, then please make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss any episodes because, God forbid, who who would want to miss one of these, right? All right, all right. Let's get into today's episode, the real juicy stuff. Today's conversation is with a nine-year NFL veteran, Lee Bodden. Lee was a non-scholarship athlete at Duquesne University from 1998 to 2002, as Duquesne's football program at the time was a 1AA non-scholarship football program, which in my books technically makes Lee a walk-on, and that's why he's on the show. But during the recording of this conversation, I was super unaware of the fact that Duquesne and its football program was a 1AA non-scholarship football program. Didn't even know that that was a thing, and you'll hear my confusion as to how the best football player in Duquesne history was a walk-on. All right, anyway, Lee went undrafted to the NFL in 2003 and played for the Cleveland Browns, the Detroit Lions, and the infamous New England Patriots. 
So a quick note about the episode before we get into it. It is divided up in roughly three parts. And if you refer to the episode description below on your phones, everything is laid out very plain, very simple. So you can see the structure of the episode. But uh, just to make it brief, essentially the first half hour is about Lee's story, his mindset and his underdog mentality and the perspective that helped catapult him into a nine-year NFL career. Uh, The second part is our quick hitters, where I ask Lee a ton of stuff, and I honestly got kind of carried away, just completely off script, asking him random stuff, because I was just having a blast, and he didn't mind. Uh, But, you know, I ask him about a fun moment from being a part of the 0-16 Detroit Lions team. Uh, He gives his story about being released from the Patriots, which ultimately ended his football career. Um, He talks about a moment he had with Deion Sanders. He talks about what a retired 30-year-old millionaire does. He talks about some investments and his favorite purchases and just so much more. And then lastly, the third part is just a quick, candid conversation once we finished recording uh, about the moment I met Lee when he came to a Duquesne basketball practice to talk to our team uh, and just how I went about getting him on the podcast. Plus, after that little candid moment, Lee shares his famous commencement speech that he made into a rap that actually explains his life story. And you won't want to miss it. It's great. Uh, I was completely stunned when he did it, and it was it was absolutely amazing. And I put it at the end because once you listen to his whole story and then you listen to the rap, you're like, oh my God, everything he just said in the podcast, he just put in this little one-minute commencement speech. It was great. Again, the times are all down below in the description. So if need be, refer to that. Um, for the structure of the episode and uh, let me shut the hell up and let's get into it. Here's my full conversation with former non-scholarship athlete turned nine-year NFL veteran Lee Bodden. Lee, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on. I appreciate you having me, man. No problem. Oh, pleasure is mine, bro. This is big time for me. All right, so let's start it off. Um, coming out of high school back in 1998, going to Duquesne, you were technically considered a non-scholarship athlete. Uh, why were you non-scholarship to start off and how long were you a non-scholarship athlete until they started giving you some money? Yeah. So I was, um, non-scholarship and I was, uh, just not highly touted because my high school, uh, that I graduated from wasn't a good high school historically in sports. And I only went there for two years. I went to DeMatha high school, actually my freshman and sophomore year. And then my junior and senior year, I transferred uh, to Northwestern where I graduated. And again, that high school wasn't that great in football or basketball. Football, we turned it around my senior year in high school. We were one game away from the uh, States. And so, you know, obviously, you know, as far as uh, colleges go, they look for people their junior year, sophomore, they're, they're seeing guys and knowing about them and knowing about schools. And so nobody really knew about that school until my senior year. And that senior year actually propelled younger guys to go on to the University of Maryland's Georgia Tech's Dukes because now recruits came to that school. So my senior year, I kind of had to shop my tape around my VHS tape. Uh, <laughs> no, no lie, man. Um, I went up to Duquesne, Robert Morris, Waynesburg, and, and I shipped my tape to like Lehigh, a lot of these schools, like one AA school. So, so I would say that's uh, one of the reasons why. I wasn't, uh, you know, highly touted in high school. Um, and I, in University of Maryland, actually, they saw my tape late again and wanted me to be a recruited walk-on, but I felt like I could play right then and there my freshman year, so I didn't want to wait a year. So, again, Duquesne uh, was non-scholarship, but, you know, obviously you have a backup plan. It's like, you know, if I don't make it to the league, I got to have a good education. Duquesne uh, gave me that. And um, so I, I picked that school. And yeah, for the first 
year uh, I had to pay. I mean, I had grants and things like that. I don't know the exact number uh, that my balance was, but, but no athletic honest, scholarship, no athletic scholarship at all. Just a bunch of grants, um, you know, that I filed for. And um, again, my parents didn't make a lot of money. So maybe that was the reason why I got a lot of grants or whatever. But um, so I had to pay some money. And then at the end of my freshman year, I wasn't um, going to go back because my mom couldn't pay the money. Mm-hmm. Um, so then uh, you go on to like that uh, after football, um, you know, they found some money for me uh, to be able to not be scholarship, but I didn't have to pay any longer. For those last three years, right? You were kind of, you were covered. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest, for everything, I was covered for the balance. I was covered. Uh, and from then on, you know, mm-hmm. from pretty much, my freshman year to my senior year. So was there any debt that you had to pay back from that first year when the grants maybe didn't cover a little leftover balance that you had to pay back or you kind of made it through those four years debt-free? Yeah, I made it through those years debt-free. Again, the balance that I did have that my mom was like, I don't know how I'm going to pay this. Um, you know, they paid it for me and, um, and was able uh, to let me stay at Duquesne because I was ready to transfer to be truthfully honest, because, you know, I was going to take that Maryland offer because I knew it would be cheaper on my mom. I knew I could play. And I was like, if I just play one year, just get one chance uh, at university of Maryland, I'll be good uh, to go to the NFL. So when you committed to Duquesne though, you knew you weren't going to get any money and you had to go in there with that, that (laughs) mindset of I'm going to go get some money. It's either I play really good this first year, I'm going to have to figure something out and potentially pay a second year. So you, they didn't have enough, they didn't have any more money to give you. Like what was the differences back then with you not being a scholarship athlete versus maybe now as to why that was the case for you? And you know what the crazy thing is now that you even say that, I mean, that wasn't even my mentality to go and get some money. You know what I mean? Obviously, because I was a kid, I wasn't the one paying, you know what I'm saying? So right. I really didn't, <laughs> you know, my parents is paying. Um, mm-hmm. So that wasn't even my mindset. My mindset was just to go and ball out, man. You know, that's just what I wanted to do. And that's why I didn't take the University of Maryland offer because they wanted me to sit out and be a Prop 48, all this stuff. And I was like, nah, man, I feel like I can just go somewhere and play right now. I felt like I was that good to play in college. Right. Uh, so that I did that at Duquesne um, and, and I really didn't do it because of the mindset of you know going to get some money it was just a I wanted to start I wanted the ball because I all I had on my mind was again making it to the league that's really it because I was obviously college right and lastly though you didn't you technically weren't considered a walk-on you weren't walking around and it was like Lee's a walk-on like you were fighting for starting spots you were a part of the team but in essence when you don't have a scholarship you technically are a walk-on so yeah (laughs) Yeah, I mean, technically it is. And again, as I grew more mature and and just aware of the situation and what it was, that's essentially what everybody is damn near walk on because anybody can come on a team and and come play. So that's really what it was. But obviously, like you said, yeah, I'm fighting my freshman year. I'm fighting for a starting spot. Uh, It was a senior ahead of me and a junior as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's why I didn't get that much playing time. But a lot of my coaches knew that I should be playing uh, right. more than I was, but they, they put me in sparingly, but towards the end, uh, 
you know, when we played some tough games against Patriot League teams, they put me in there and I made plays and I had three interceptions in, in two games at the mm -hmm. end of that year. And I mean, it ended up working out pretty nicely for you because even if you were non-scholarship, you were two-time All-American, senior year defensive player of the year, 28 career interceptions. And I almost, I'm pretty sure you were a long jump champion in the A-10. You were running yeah. track a little bit in your spare time. Um, but like, it's crazy to me that like the best football player in all of Duquesne's football history started his career off without any scholarship money. And now you're at the top of the cream always rises to the top. And so that non-scholarship back in college, two-time All-American, you go undrafted in 2003 and you end up making the Browns 53-man roster. You make a name for yourself on the special teams as a cornerback and you eventually earn a starting position on that team and your next two teams. But clearly you were the underdog in college. Clearly you were the underdog coming into the league. You were slept on, but you did it. You played nine years at the highest level in the NFL, and you started for the Browns, Lions, Patriots, all at some point. So what I really want to get into is that mindset that you had to fight through all that adversity and get yourself to this point, being counted out and doubted all throughout your career. So explain what it kind of took out of you every day to get yourself over that barrier, beat those odds, change the narrative about yourself, and just not care that you were the only one that believed in you? Man, I mean, listen, I don't even really need, need to say much. You said it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they want the people need to hear from you, man. Not yeah, me. no, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but, you know, I, I could obviously, you know, put my um, personal spin on it. But, I mean, again, you said it all. It's, it's just not listening to what somebody else says. I knew the talent that I had in me. I knew what God gave me. And just because somebody didn't see it in me, that didn't deter me from always going out and shining and showing what I had inside. And was I the best every time? Was I perfect every time? Absolutely not. But that never uh, sunk in too much, you know, um, to make me believe like this isn't you, Lee. You know, um, and I, in my commencement speech uh, to my high school, uh, my alma mater in Northwestern High School, I, I said it in 2014, um, is that like, it, it's no way, you know, people can take away what is inside of you. Like, like it's no way. And, and you have to let everything be fuel. You got to believe in yourself and you got to let everything be fuel. Um, and if you don't, um, you know, you're not going to get to where you want to go. Uh, so, battling all these things. I mean, at, at DeMatha High School, they threw me in in the fourth quarter when the whistle blew. You know what I mean? As, as a 10th grader, so I'm running on the field. I, I want you to picture this. They say, Lee, go in. I'm running on the field and the whistle blew and the game's over. You know, this is a sophomore, you know, you're 15 years old. Most kids want to quit. You know what I mean? Um, I didn't want to quit. I wanted to go back and practice and, and show them why I should be playing. You know, I couldn't wait for practice because that's my games. You know what I mean? You don't want to put me in the game? Well, I'm going to show you in practice why I should be playing and I'm better than every, everybody on this uh, field. Um, and I'm not going to be ignored. You know what I mean? And so that's just what it was. It was always the fight. And I wasn't willing to, to back down. I was always willing to fight to, um, and I hate to say it because it wasn't really for recognition, but for somebody to, to finally realize that Lee Bodden is, is legit. His talent is legit. And I just yeah. wasn't going to stop until um, I got to the top. And like you say, cream rises to the top and always knew in my head, I was like, 
uh, who's going to deny me when I get to the highest level? You know, who's going to mm-hmm. say Lee ain't good enough now? You know what I mean? Sports right. writers didn't think I was great in high school because they had, you know, a lot of people with bigger names. Um, you know, and obviously you go back and look at that list and, and check and see who made it to the league and who didn't. You know what I mean? Um, but no I just was always fighting for that. Relentless pursuit of just what you wanted and didn't care what anybody else wanted for you. Um, you know, I believe in like working on my own daily growth and just having this constant pursuit, like you're talking about, of just ascending upwards and, and climbing higher and higher. Um, but there's things that I need to do mentally to keep myself on the train tracks, right? Like mm. trick my mind into eliminating the fear or the doubt that kind of seeps in inevitably have this sort of like delusional confidence about my ability <laughs> Got and it. like be able to sustain those things. So I want to ask you a question about each of those three things. First, is there anything specific? that you tell yourself that you were telling yourself every day, feeding your mind to keep the doubt and the fear from seeping in and just keep you from falling off that train track. You know, like I said, they're inevitable thoughts. They're going to come, but what would you do to trick your mind, get into like trick your mind into getting away from those thoughts. So you could keep that delusional confidence, unwavering belief in yourself, man. You know what? I mean, I would just say at a young age, very young age, I just, again, had that confidence. I didn't care what anybody thought. I just did me. And I think what sports did was it allowed me to speak, you know what I mean, with my play. I didn't have to talk with my with anything. And I remember I, I tell this story a lot um, because I was in D.C. I lived in D.C. Uh, until I was 10 years old. But then I moved to Maryland and I moved right next to a, a rec center and, you know, all these kids playing basketball. And um, I was walking in and I was like, man, who's the best player in here? Because I wanted to play him because... So that would tell me if I be him and y'all telling me that's the best player, then I, you don't have to tell me I'm the best player. Like I know. So I just would seek these crazy challenges that nobody probably will seek. You know what I mean? Um, so that's what made me realize and understand. And it put me in my mindset. Okay. I'm here. And if I would have lost to him, then I'm like, okay, well, I'm, here's what I got to do. So I just mm-hmm. played games like that to myself to, you know, to really make me realize who I am, you know what I mean? And where I stood in whatever. So I would say when I was younger, those are the type of challenges I put myself through to, to make me understand or to say, okay, Lee, oh, here's where you at, you know, and to push right. me, you know, if I beat him or if I lost to him or whatever. Um, and I just took that every single day, uh, challenge myself in games, uh, you know, however, or games that I'm playing anywhere everywhere i just challenge myself i feel like that's something that separates like a professional athlete from someone who maybe had the potential to be a professional athlete is just like how early can you grasp that mindset like i feel like not that i could have played in the nba but like if i would have had maybe that sort of itch when i was younger to think about that stuff like what would that have done for me so i always think like well guys in the league it probably just clicked with them a little bit faster you know a little and that's 100%. And that's why I like to talk to um, children young about this, about the mindset, because that's really what it is. And God just blessed me to have that mindset at a young age. To be honest, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? People always yeah. ask me, but I just I just knew it, you know what I mean, when I was young. And nothing deterred me. Nothing stopped me. Anything somebody said, I would challenge that mm-hmm. and say, you know, shit, I'll show you. You know what I mean? Right. Like backflip, I taught myself how to backflip, you know, all these crazy things. I just challenged <laughs> myself. I'm telling you, I just challenged myself <laughs> yeah. to juggle, to, I mean, everything, you know, mm-hmm. and when I seen somebody do it, I'm like, man, I can do that. And then I just 
looked at them, saw how to do it, and just kept practicing and got good at it. Really sounds like you just never set any limits on yourself. So like when you were in this constant pursuit and you picked up on that mindset super early, going back to what I was saying about eliminating the fear, delusional confidence, and sustaining those things, you know, it's not always peaches and rainbows once you figure it out, right? So right. how do you keep the fire lit inside of you to sustain the mindset through all those up and downs? I mean, I would just say continue the same thing I said, continue to challenge yourself, whether mm -hmm. you win or lose, um, you know, and that's what football does. And that's what sports does. Um, you watch the film and you look at what you did wrong and you have to acknowledge that, that you did that wrong. And now you have to assess how you can get better. And that's really what I did assess. And sometimes, I mean, I used to sit up at night, well not sit up at night, but just sleep in my bed and, uh, or sit in my bed, excuse me, and just think about what happened that day. How could I get better for tomorrow? And I'm gonna show them tomorrow that I got better. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And that, it's just a constant challenge yourself every single day and can't wait to wake up to then go do it again, to prove again. yourself, right? And to prove to other people that, man, he did something to get better yesterday you know what I mean right. um and so you looking like a different person than what they saw yesterday mm -hmm. and that's just what uh kept me going was just wanting to continue to get better and again that's what uh sports does especially at the college level and the pro level you, you watch yourself you see what you've done and, and a lot of times kids they don't self-assess you know when they hear bad things that happen to them it's just oh you're you're going down on me you're you're hard on me and and they they shun that but me um i took that and I, I was harder on myself than anybody as a kid you know and so and i could self-assess right uh, what i did and then i could improve on that based upon what i know i would say that most of and you were a professional athlete so you could tell me but most people who are successful in the pros like have a great deal of self self-awareness like <laughs> Cause you want to get better. You like, you want, you want to be the best. So it's like, if you're in that environment and the coach is telling you something, you learn to just not take it personal. And it's exactly. more about just like, you know what, this guy's been doing this for X amount of years. Let me, let me look at the tape. Let me check this out. And okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I do correct, make that a correction or that adjustment over here. And like for you though, when did you as a player, like you had a moment that you won your coaches over, right? Like, do you remember a specific moment in practice or was it where it was like, you know, I belong here. Like I can have a spot on this team. I can be a starter on this team. Was there any specific moment when you got to the Browns or even when you left the Browns, went to Detroit, um, where that happened for you to just, you know what, like I belong in this league and I belong to have a, con a secured contract and all that. Right. Well, uh, again, if anybody knows me and everybody that knows me, I had a lot of confidence uh, and stepping in uh, my rookie year, I had a lot of confidence. And what gave me a lot of confidence, too, was obviously we had rookie minicamp. And so all you're doing is facing rookies. Uh, and, I mean, obviously you're facing guys from Michigan, Michigan State, you know, uh, Georgia, all these, you know, top places. Uh, but that meant nothing to me. You know, I just was confident in my, in my ability. And so going there with that mindset and going in there and, you know, doing my thing, you know, with the rookies, I'm like, man, this, this is easy. You know, guys right. called me from Duquesne. They're like, man, how's the league? I'm like, I was like, this is easy. <laughs> it's, cake I was like, it's football, <laughs> you know, but it changed when the veterans came a little mm -hmm. bit. <laughs> for sure. For sure. But, but when the veterans came, I still had that confidence 
And yes, I got beat, you know, um, during, you know, those times, but I also made my share of plays as well. And coaches saw that. And it's all about how you respond, you know, and coaches understand that and see that. And if you can respond because they know them starters get beat, you know, mm-hmm. and, and them starters will have to respond uh, and forget about it and go on to the next play. And I feel like I just did that. Uh, even though I was, again, down on myself some days, I was like, damn, you know, I don't think I'm gonna make it because, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about all these plays that I got beat on or I didn't do that great. Um, but it it's still something that I did great on. But, you know, I would say when the vets came, <clears throat> it was probably more, um, you know, not so good than good because I didn't get that many reps either. Um, right. But but I would say as as it went along, uh, I started to make more plays, more good plays than bad plays. And obviously that's the reason why they saw uh, that they could trust me. And that's the reason I'm sure I made the 53-man roster because then, then preseason is coming and uh, we scrimmaged Buffalo and things like that. And so I'm showing it every step of the way. Not only did I show it, like I said, during the rookie camp, when the veterans came, that camp, scrimmage, preseason, you know, so – it was just the the cons. I wouldn't say it was one thing, but I just mm-hmm. would say it was just the consistent play of me uh, and what I did. So when you were getting like a lack of reps when the rookie <laughs> camp was over and the vets came in, like I know you started off kind of predominantly on the special teams, and then that was kind of what they started positioning you at the corner spot. Like you were getting, I, I don't know how it works in the NFL. Like like are you getting third string reps, fourth string reps as a rookie? Like. <laughs> You're not even getting a lot of reps. So how did you even get on the special teams? Like, is that just because they throw guys on the 53-man roster into some sort of role? Uh, so I would say, man, starting off, yeah, I was probably third, fourth string, you know, coming in. I mean, you're getting a few reps. And in my mind, I know I have to make those reps count. You know, I have to show up on film to where they're like, man, damn, this guy's good, right? Mm-hmm. Don't matter how many opportunities I get. And that's what – we all know as athletes, well, we should know, people should know, but just in life in general, like when the opportunity presents itself, you better be ready um, because you may not get another. Mm-hmm. And so, so I had the limited opportunities. And so again, I took advantage of it. But the one thing I would say that even helped even more was uh, Butch Davis was the coach. And at the end of the, the practice, he would have like a lot of the rookies first year. And I think maybe even second year guys like, play, you know, just by themselves, you know, so, so now I got extra reps there. Okay. And so, so that helped. And again, once they see, uh, you have ability to, you know, you have the speed, you can tackle, you can, you know, do a lot of things. Obviously, if you're not going to be on defense, then you're going to have to play special teams. So, uh, I think the, the times where they knew that I was, you know, pretty good on special teams was, you know, maybe during training camp, but I'm sure it was against the Buffalo Bills because, uh, you know, it's, it's damn near no reps. And they, I mean, I don't know if you know the gunner, which is the uh, guy who's running down a punt to um, tackle the punt returner. Mm-hmm. Usually they get double viced. So it's two people on them, blocking them, you know, to, right. to get down there. So I just used to like get down there a lot, you know, and this, mm-hmm. and that's, to be honest, that's like a, that's like a battle. That's like a fight. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to fight with two people and if yep. I can beat them all the way, you know, so they like, man, this dude's mentality is, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is. And, and that's really what I did. And I mean, 
my rookie year and my my second year, I was really good on special teams. And uh, my second year, I actually led the team in special teams tackles and I only played eight games because I got injured and I tore my pec. And I, I know and injuries, you know, played a part in my career, but I know if I'd have finished that season, I probably would have made the Pro Bowl mm. that year because I was, uh, I think the leading special teams tacklers in the league, he had 25. And I had 18 in eight games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Fucking injuries, man. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and that would have, you know, propelled me. But, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it went the way it went. But just going back to what you were saying, it was just because they just saw the fight in me. You know, and so it's like, we got to find some way to put this kid on the field. Yeah. Right. So I want to ask you one more time, just because I kind of said it for you in a sense about having like delusional confidence and not letting yourself get off the train track with the doubt and the fear. Like how often did the fear and the doubt creep in on you where you were like, shit, can I do this? Like, can I, can I really like keep myself on the straight and narrow and stay in the league and make a name for myself? Yeah. Um, during training camp, um, like I was telling you, when the vets came, that's kind of when the doubt was kind of creeping in. It's like, can I do this? You know, because uh, again, coming from Duquesne, I'm barely getting beat, you know, if getting beat at all. And <laughs> now it's, it's kind of coming more frequently than I like right. to have um, been beaten. And so, again, I know that. So I know the coaches know that and see that. So I'm like, man, you know, can I make it? And to be honest, man, my mom was kind of my rock. I would say sometimes I used to call her <laughs> and she like talks about this to this day too. Sometimes she's like, you know, you would call and say, man, mom, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and it was days like that. But then mm-hmm. um, I would even say, uh, honestly, it used to be a free Bible in our uh, in our uh, hotel room. So I, I would go to a passage, man. It, it was just like, uh, what did it say? Uh, you'll be a rewarder uh, or God will reward you um, when you diligently seek him. You know what I mean? And so <clears throat> I just kept the faith, you know what I mean? And kept the faith that God put me right here for this reason. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, I had a bad day or what I thought to be a bad day, but that doesn't have to be tomorrow. Right. And so having you know somebody to talk to other than myself, other than God um, was my mom. And then I just, you know, just revved up and was like, man, let's go. You know, this is what I'm here for. This is what I wanted all my life when I was young. And like you said, having just that that confidence that it's like, why you, Lee? You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then me, it's like, why not me? Right. And, and it should be me. And I felt like it should be me because this has been in my mind since I was a little kid. And I was not about to let this dream go. And I'm right here right now. Um and it's just being crazy. It's just being like it's big time. But yeah, it's like no one would think that uh, Lee Bodden could make it, you know, but mm-hmm. Lee Bodden thought it. <laughs> and, yes, and Lee Bodden is going to um, make it come true. So now when you look back, you're like, damn, he did it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's really all I wanted was to show people that you didn't have to be uh, the all met, you know, that I, I wanted to be all met back in uh, DC. That's like, you know, just the, the biggest honor that you get in high school. Uh, but you don't have to be that. You don't have to go to the Maryland, the Alabamas. You can still, uh, if you believe in yourself, like I said, and let everything be fuel, you can make it however you want to make it. You can create your life however you want to create it. And you can make that dream that's in your mind 
come to life. And, and that's just what I did. No doubt, man. Not, clearly, clearly that's <laughs> what you did. You did it to the best of your, best of your ability. Right. Um, that's, that's, that's inspiring for me to listen to. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, before the quick hitters, the last thing I want to ask you is, you know, you mentioned the injuries and like, just as someone who kind of had to sort of retire early, I think you retired at 31 or 32 due to 30. probably your, Oh, it was 30 yeah. due to your injuries. Um, you know, even though mentally you probably felt like you still had more to give, um, what advice would you give to someone like myself or just people in the field of sports who have played a particular sport their entire life and now they're on the brink of their career ending they know it's about to come to an end and they you know they're gonna have to start pursuing new avenues in life outside of that sport and in essence find a new identity outside of you just as a player so what advice do you give to those people man the advice that i would give um is to know that you're not just that you're not just an athlete um and that's really what i knew too I knew I wasn't just an athlete. I knew, I mean, and we all are, and but sometimes we don't realize it because we want this so much. We just encompass uh, just our whole life into this sport. Um, but I would say, you know, any talents, anything that you are uh, passionate about other than the sport, you know, don't leave that aside. Don't like abandon that, I would say, because again, in sports, it's only going to, um, be a short run in your life. Again, I, I ended at 30. A lot of people are starting their life at 30, you know, starting to get their money and, and mm -hmm. find out what they want to do and what they're good at. Um, and so, and by that time, again, most athletes are, they done, you know what I mean? And so you just got to understand that you are more than an athlete. And, you know, I would say spend some time again with yourself and understanding what you like, uh, what you're good at other than that, other than the sports. Um, and that's, that's, to be honest, the only thing I can say, because I, I just knew I was more than an athlete. And I knew that one, the NFL, and they say it stands for not for long. Um, <laughs> and again, I'm undrafted. I don't know if tomorrow I'm going to get cut. So what I did was, and that's one thing that I try to tell a lot of young people is, is just save your money. The name of the game is to save money. People talk about financial literacy. And you just got to save your money. You know what I mean? That's the literacy. That's the whole literacy about it, you know, because, you know, they want you to spend the money, you know what I mean? To, to come back and want more money from them, you know, from a job or whatever. So, yeah. um, so to have that financial freedom uh, was, was what I wanted and what I knew. And I knew that football wouldn't last. So um, I would just say, just hone in on who you are outside of that sport. That's really all I, I can say. Mm -hmm. um, because again, we all know that it's going to end but your life won't, you know what right. I mean? And you have so much more to give. We all have so much more to give than a sport uh, to the world um, because we all have something inside of us uh, that we can bring to the world, uh, again, other than uh, like entertain form of entertainment. We're here to help people. And then just like even you, man, with this podcast, it's like, you know, this is to help people. Um, and, and we all have that somehow in us. And it's like, how do you be creative with who you are? and establish that and, and do that for, you know, the rest of your life. Couldn't have said it any better. The one thing I do want to ask you before I hit you with some lighthearted quick hitters is, were there any veterans that took you under your wing along yeah. your ride, taught you the ropes, how to handle your business, invest your money and have that kind of professional mindset at a young age? Yeah. I'm glad you said that one. I mean, I just had that mindset already, but I wasn't, 
Um, and, and I don't want it to sound like I, I think I had it all figured out, but my mindset just was that. But what I did do as a rookie was always put myself around those veterans and listen to them and ask them questions because I knew I wanted to be in their position. And so I knew if I learned from them and listen to them, um, you know, they'll give me some gems and some jewels that I can take. Uh, and again, I remember Ross Berber, this guy, he's a lineman. I was talking to him and he was like, man, you know, he told me, he was like, save your money. Um, and he was like, try to pay off or any big debts or, or big, you know, your house or your car, if you can, when you leave the league, you know, and I did that, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, uh, listening to, uh, I remember just, and I don't know who specifically it was in our defensive back room, uh, but guys were like, man, you need a team when you leave here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I was like, man, a team, what the hell you mean a team? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I didn't know. And then as I got older, I understood, you know, t- people that um, can help you in, in ways where you're not uh, strong, you know, and where they're strong as far as, you know, marketing or uh, financial advisor, whatever it is. Um, but just build a strong team around you. That's going to help you build. Uh, so I would say, man, a lot of my defensive backs, man, uh, Dalen McCutcheon, Anthony Henry, Robert Griffith, uh, Earl Little, uh, mm-hmm. Mike Jamison, all these guys were and Lewis Sanders. They were all just influential, even if they didn't necessarily know it, but I just used to watch them, uh, ask them questions when I um, had the questions and, and they were uh, willing to answer any question that I had. So, so I think it was just a, a good group of veterans that I had to be around. And I was just eager to learn like a little kid, you know, right. I, that's how I was in that locker room, just a little kid asking questions and, you know, just trying to be better. It's funny you say that. Cause like I'm 23, but I'm still in like a real, I mean, I'm like the second oldest kid on the team, but I still love being in the position of just like, who can I ask questions to learn yeah. something new? Who can I, talk to about something that I don't know enough about that can give me some information, drop some wisdom on me. Like, I don't think I had enough appreciation for that. My early years in college, not that I thought I had it all figured out, but kind of like you said, like it was just how I am. Like I just, you get more curious as you get older, you want to keep expanding, broadening your horizons, learn more. So I feel like I'm right in the mix of that, of just like, who can I, and like, you know, talking to you and hearing this, like just, absorbing more wisdom absorbing more knowledge like from people older than you because real like the wisdom thing like my my dad always says this stuff to me like you don't get wise until you get older because you know you need the experience of living to get right to get that that wise right hearing from you know people like yourself and just anybody that is older than me uh and not that you can't learn stuff from people younger than you but it's just like it's stuff that you guys go through like Mm -hmm. you know i look at my parents and the things that they've been through and i'm like damn like how the hell are you still standing up? Like, <laughs> you know, like, so it's just, it's, uh, and it's, I appreciate it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and it's true because it's, it's like, you want to, life is a test and they got the answers, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So who doesn't want the answers to the test? You right, know what I mean? You know? So it's like, go to those people who have the answers. <laughs> like you said, it's not like I can't learn something from a younger person, but the person who took the test, I'm going to go to them first. You know what right. I mean? And, and try right. to get the answers uh, to, you know, ace this test and pass this test. And so they, that's really what it is. They got the blueprint. Like you have right. the blueprint in front of you on how to make the NFL, you know, like, why would you go ask a cornerback at Alabama right now on how to make the NFL? Who's not there? Like, we're going to go right. ask the guy that 
did it for nine years, made millions of dollars. So, exactly. all right, walkie talkies, it's that time. Quick break. Stay with us to hear the second part of my conversation with Lee, to hear him talk about some memories he has with Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, some things he remembers about his 0-16 Detroit Lions team, a uh, moment he had with Deion Sanders, and how Lee Bodden's career ultimately came to an end. It's all coming up next. And remember, you can follow Walkie Talkies Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at WTZ Podcast. And you can follow myself on Twitter and Instagram at Snowdot3. This is Walkie Talkies Podcast with your host, me, Noah Bono. All right, folks, stay with us. We'll be right back. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, deputy opinion editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. And Walkie Talkies podcast on the College Athletes Network featured on iHeartRadio is back. I'm your host, Noah Bono. Please make sure you are subscribed to Walkie Talkies podcast on the iHeartRadio app or whichever app you listen to your podcasts on so that you don't miss any episodes. We wouldn't want that to happen. And let's bring back in my guest, nine-year NFL veteran, Lee Bodden. Um, all right. So some quick hitters for you. If you can remember, I'm sure you have something in mind. What's the craziest thing that happened to you while you were in the NFL? Hmm. Craziest thing that happened to me in the NFL. Um, you know, I don't know, you know, and what's considered crazy, man. I don't, I don't know. I don't... Like someone maybe burning, like someone who shouldn't have beat you, got a touchdown on you. Uh, 
you making a crazy play that maybe you never played. Maybe you got on offense one time, caught a pass. I, I don't know. What's the like? Yeah. Anything I that wish. stands out about? Yeah, no. Nah, literally nah, anything. Nah. Could be off the field, in the locker room. I don't know. Somebody like put shit in your locker. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> man, well, I'll tell you what, man. Well, now that you said that, just the locker room. Because on the field, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that is running through my head, but I wouldn't yeah. consider them too crazy. But man, like seeing guys like, like fight, like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> like straight up, room, like, straight like up brawl. Straight up fist fight. And this was right before we took off for a plane ride. I mean, and they both of them was nodding up. They wearing glasses <laughs> on the plane, you know. And it was all from something stupid that was in the shower. It was like dumb, but <laughs> that's what <laughs> but I would say. I would say like, yeah, yeah. I seen you know crazy fight, and it was a veteran man. I was like, what the hell are you doing? But we had to just let him fight because it's like, man, you know what I'm saying? We gonna let y'all just get it out, you know what I mean? And right. then let's move on. How long did it was so a vet? Say, vet versus a younger guy. A vet versus a younger guy. And the vet yeah, kind of started it. I mean, he wasn't too young. He wasn't too young. I mean, but he was, uh, you know, young in the league, I would say. Maybe he right. was like four years in the league, maybe. Did he win? Like or did he hold his own? He held his own, man. He held his own. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I couldn't score the bout, you know what I mean? <laughs> but Because I was just trying to make sure. Because they, we, we was like, you know, we was like, man, all right, go ahead and take it outside, man. And we yeah. were just like, just get it out. And then kind of uh, gauging when we felt like it was supposed to be over. You know what I'm saying? We wasn't really counting the blows. So but, um, you were calling that the craziest moment because is that the only one you've seen? And when it happened, you were like, are these dudes really fighting right now? Like, <laughs> well, I, I seen a, a little skirt, another skirmish, but it wasn't to that extent. You know what right. I'm saying? It wasn't to that extent where they just like, was like, you know, like a, a schoolyard fight. Like we about to fight after school type thing. And we were both walking out like, okay, we about to fight. The other one was like, you know, just kind of spur of the moment, you know what I mean? Uh, heated, you know, and then it was real quick and then it was over. But this one was like a, a all out, like, you know, ding, 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 here it comes, you know. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, you don't got to say the name. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, opponent number one, opponent number two, you know, fight. So, um, all right. But you said you had a couple moments in your head that happened on the field. If, if they're small or they just, they're frequent, just throw one out there because I'm curious. Yeah, well, what... No, I'm, I mean, I would just say, and they were like surreal moments. I mean, it was like when Deion Sanders was playing, that's an idol of mine. Is like, and then he was like down on the, uh, uh, he was punt returning. And again, I, like I said, I was the gunner and I didn't even see who was back there. And then, um, you know, I beat the guys and then made the tackle. Oh, but as I was running down, I seen it was Dion. I'm like, oh, oh hell yeah. <laughs> I'm, about to, I'm about to go tackle Dion. And then, so I tackled him. I was like, I was like, get your old ass off the field, man. He don't belong back here. <laughs> like the thing, you know, but uh That's but awesome. I was just, you know, I had to say something to Dion. I didn't know what to say. But I didn't want to say, hey man, thank you. You're my favorite player. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and I'm sure he doesn't remember, but I remember that moment. Oh, of course. Because, yeah. Because yeah. he's probably had a thousand people tackle him and say the same thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so is there a specific moment, exchange, or memory, or maybe just a nugget that you've gotten, you know, maybe just a moment or memory that you have with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady during your two two year stint with the Patriots? Uh, you mean individually or collectively or uh it could be one individually, yeah. I mean like one one of each of them, because I'm sure you were around Tom and yeah. Bill enough. Um so say it, rephrase it one more time, say it. Like a specific moment exchange that you had, just memory with Tom, with yeah. Bill, 
separate yeah, Tom, individually. Yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's a few of them, man. But Tom, I remember one time we were in, well, he was in the training room where we kind of do some rehab and I was going in there too. And, you know, he had like some music playing that I didn't think he would be playing that music. You know, I was like, damn, Tom, you listen to this? He was like, hell yeah. <laughs> but it was, uh, uh, what's the song? You must be used to me spending all that wine in the dining. I'm in you tonight. So I, I forgot who, who that's might a biggie song or something like that. Might be before my time. Because <laughs> I didn't yeah, pick up yeah, on but, it. But, um, but like that was a crazy song. I couldn't believe he was listening to that. And um, Bill, Bill, I would say nothing specific. Well, I would say when I first talked to Bill, um, when they were about to sign me my rookie year, I mean, I was like shocked that he knew a lot about me. But I mean, obviously, he, I mean, he's a guru, so he's going to, you know, do his research and homework. Um, but I mean, and I didn't know how down to earth he was, you know, because you see his, uh, his interviews and it looked like he just unapproachable and you can't talk to him. He's just dry. And, uh, but he's, um, you know, far from that. Um, I mean, obviously can he be? Yeah. But, but personally, um, he's, he's really, you know, down to earth. He has a sense of humor uh, mm -hmm. and you can talk to him. So um, I would say just that moment, that first moment um, was, was dope. And then just, and I would say, and I tell this to people all the time, uh, when I kind of first got there, I don't know, remember when it was, but but when we watched the film, um, Bill was like, Tom, what the fuck are you, just throw it to the flat. <laughs> you know, like, he's like, you're gonna get a sack. And, I, and, and this is in front of the team. And so that's, I think that's how um, he got everybody to be on board with what he was talking about, because he wasn't just ragging on, you know, the free agents or the lower mm -hmm. people on the totem pole. He just expected, you know, everything from Brady and not afraid to say it in front of everybody. And Brady took it, you know, didn't, you know, lash right. back as Brady, you know, could have done. Right. But but it was just that energy and that synergy that they had that, mm -hmm. you know, when you see it, it's like, okay, I see why they win a lot of games because nobody has like a big ego necessarily and, and everybody can be coached and everybody is down to earth and, and yep. we're all working for one common goal. So I think that was uh, huge for me to see. Yeah. Uh, for and everyone. It, yeah, yeah, for everyone. Because, like, when when it starts with your leader, and obviously Tom at that time had three Super Bowls and the one loss to the Giants. Um, so he was, you know. Well, he in 09, 09, man, he only had. He made, oh, he no, had, he had, yeah, three, nah, of, yeah, three yeah, of them yeah, things. You're right, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so, right. wait, but were you there? Were you there in 2011 when they lost to the Giants? Or were you not yeah, there? Right. But that was the year um, I had my injury. So I had okay. back surgery in um, in December of that so, year. So you were uh, you were playing in that season up until that point, like kind of right before yeah. the playoffs started. Yeah. Well, no, I would say it was like uh, mid-season. Okay. Mid-season yeah. is when I stopped. Well, uh, when I had the surgeries was December. Okay. But my injury was around like October, November. And then that was – and kind I, of the that was the wrap that that, that wrapped it up. I mean, so yeah, I mean, I got released actually, and that's another story for another time because that was you know crazy, mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I got released in the middle of that year. Do you um, mind if I asked? Do you mind if you explain that story? If you don't, if we don't have time, it's okay. Nah, I mean, oh yeah, no, nah, I mean, I'd yeah, love to hear it. Yeah, so um, I, I would say, I mean, the first game of the season, uh, I hurt my back. 
And that was Monday night versus Miami. Uh, and then from then on, I just had injury after injury with my growing, my hip, uh, my back. And then it was uh, messing with my right side of my leg. And so I noticed it and I was, uh, I was getting atrophy in my knee. My foot was becoming numb and I was playing like this in some of these games uh, in 2011. Uh, but, and I told the team and, but after the first game, Miami, I, I knew I had a problem and I went to go get uh, MRI you know, that Monday. And they told me um, that a lot of guys' backs look like this. And so it's just playing through the pain. And so I'm like, okay. Uh, and then, so now, like I said, now fast forward, I'm playing with this pain, atrophy in my, my quad. And I'm lifting, man, I'm lifting harder on my right leg because I see it getting smaller and I, and I feel the pain, but I'm just pushing through it. Uh, then bye week comes, and I just wake up and I can barely move. And I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to come back to New England off the bye week and be hurt? Because, I mean, a lot of people don't, don't know this, but if you're hurt during the bye week or if you're hurt, period, like you got to get treatment and, you know, to try to get yourself back. But I was, I was okay again because I was playing. I had played the last game. I forgot who we played, maybe the Cowboys, I believe. And so, you know, I, I played through everything. Um, and they knew it, but I went home. But coming back, they would have been like, Lee, why didn't you stay for treatment? You know, you should have stayed for treatment. How could you get hurt? Blah, blah, blah. And so I knew I was going to go through with that. So I went um, through that week with that. But and then I could barely I could barely move. You know what I mean? And I'm but I'm still out there playing uh, and it wasn't getting any better. And so now I got into it with a coach at one time. I actually almost fought uh, Brian Flores. I mean, I shoved him you know, and kind of got into a heated debate. And, um, you know, so all of this was occurring uh, during, you know, that time. And then my D-back coach just you know, one time talked to me and was like, well, Lee, we don't think you're on the same page as us. And I was like, I don't think you're on the same page as me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm hurt. You know what I mean? Y'all pushed me out here and I can't barely move. And you expecting all this stuff from me. Um, and like the next day, um, they released me. Uh, and you know, you wasn't, you're not supposed to really release somebody when they hurt, but I signed the papers cause I felt like I could, if I just, you know, rehab and, and, you know, not practice that much, like I could, I could still play because I was still playing, but they were like kind of pushing me to the brink where in practice, I mean, I can't do much. And so, you know, then Kansas city actually wanted to sign me uh, and they got, they got me in a visit with uh, Romeo Cornell and Romeo Cornell because he knew me from Cleveland. He was a head coach at Cleveland. So he was a defensive coordinator mm -hmm. at Kansas City at the time. So he wanted to bring me in. Um, but then I took a physical and I ain't really passed their physical, but they didn't want to fail me because they were like, I know a lot of teams want to sign you. So we don't want to put that out there. Like, but they were like, go get a second opinion. So I got a second opinion. Uh, then I had to have surgery. Uh, and then I thought about trying to come back from it, but uh, some days I would feel great. Some days I would feel bad, and I knew I couldn't go through a 16-game season like that or even a training camp like that because some coaches going to want you to practice all the time. And, right. uh, and, and you know, I, I was, like, trying to push out one or two more years and risk, you know, even further injury. Like, was it worth it? So so that was, like, that whole spill, you know, and why I got released and Damn. You know, settlements and all of that. Mm -hmm. I went through all these settlements and crazy things with the Patriots that like year. Contractually? Contractually. Um, 
Yeah, and then I mean, because you had guaranteed money from them, you had four. I think I read it was fourteen guaranteed yeah. on like a thirty mil deal. So like yeah. they had to give you all that, right? Yeah. Well, they had to give me the the guaranteed money, not not the yeah uh, the fourteen guaranteed. Right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, well. So I mean, I you know that was a good thing that obviously I signed some guarantee, but um, you know at the end of the day, you want to play, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and you never want to get injured and and just leave like that. And I think I mean. I think they they should have handled it a little bit better, mm-hmm. um, but maybe you know because how I handled it, as far as like because I was you know kind of pissed off like y'all wasn't acknowledging you know my injury, yeah. And then when hurt. I got when I got yeah when I got the second opinion, they said the doctors said that oh yeah the Patriots wrote it down right here you had a, a herniated disc, you know. But they told me you know something different. They just they didn't tell me the actual thing that was wrong with me. You know what I mean. Damn. And so it was, you know, it was a little, you know, messed up, man. But that's the the nature. That's what the business is. And a lot of people do not talk about that. And, and a lot of people know that that's what occurs mm-hmm. uh, right. in the business. And it's, it's messed up. But, you know, it is what it is, man. What can you do, you know, as a player? Right. That's why we have a union. But the union, you know, don't necessarily fight that much for us. So. Just sucks you didn't get to go out on your own terms, you know. Man. It was just like you know, forced I'm- out. But you know what? And that's what I wanted to do. And I think a lot of players want to do that. But a lot of players, it don't happen because injuries, uh, unfortunately, do happen. And obviously, age is going to happen. Right. And then when your pay is up there, you know, they're going to want to get somebody cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you, you know, you're getting older. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're like, you lost the step and we can get this young guy in. So, you know, a lot of times it's not because of your uh, play. A lot of mm-hmm. times, you know, when you start to get into it's a business, when you start to get into those millions and uh you know contractually um they'll just uh you know do whatever they need to do business-wise to suit them to suit them right yeah all right i appreciate you sharing that let's i got like three more just all right, back, cool. back to the lighthearted quick hitters for yeah. you uh <laughs> if there's one thing one fun thing that you can remember about being a starter on that 0-16 lions team in that season what would it be what would that one or maybe two fun things about that year because it's a lot of, you know, that was hard, probably really hard to go through every single day and with and withstand the scrutiny and just the <laughs> shit. Probably all the teams you were playing were talking to you. Like, what what was the one fun thing about that? So the one fun thing about that season, I and that sticks out easy. It was playing on Thanksgiving because okay. as a kid, as a kid, always watching the Thanksgiving game, and you know, Detroit Dallas used to always play during Thanksgiving. And so it was like, dang, you know, in, even though we got our ass beat blown out quick too. <laughs> and I'll tell you, so I, and that brings up a crazy moment. I remember um, <laughs> right after halftime, I kept asking people behind me. I was like, what time is it, man? Cause I had a flight to catch. I was like, man, I, I hope they just run this clock out. <laughs> Cause I, I need to catch my flight. I was, that's all, every time I came back to the bench, I was asking what time is it? <laughs> Damn. So it was, I mean, it had to be, that had to be probably very, very minimal amount of fun moments going on in that season. Like it probably just had to be like, it, it was so tense and just like, I don't know if it was toxic. I know there's stuff with the Lions organization about ownership and why Calvin Johnson left and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that had to be playing a major factor in that season for you guys. Yeah, yeah, it does. But at the end of the day, you're still playing the game. So you have some type of enjoyment in that. You know what I mean? But now too much of the other stuff outshadows it. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the only like bright spot is again, you get to still play the game that you play love. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? But it's like, I mean, we're going into it, not saying we're going into it and knowing we're gonna lose, but like we it's like shit, we might not have a chance, you know what I mean? Um <laughs> right. but but I mean, to be honest, like you feel like you have a chance no matter what. But I mean, it's collectively everybody has to be on the same page. And we were in in a, a lot, lot of, of those games. Yeah, yeah, we were in a lot of those games, but you're in a lot of those games, but it's just winning the close ones. And right. and that that was just the disappointment, you know, a lot of times was um you know, at the end of the game, not being able to uh, just execute at the end. Do you ever get a lot of shit, like, now that you're retired about being on that team? Like, do your oh, boys, yeah. like, you know? Oh, yeah. My boys all the time. All the time. <laughs> all, all the time. They talk about that. <laughs> that one 16 year. <laughs> because a lot of times, I, you know, when somebody asks me who I play for, like, the Lions is, like, the last team I say. Like, I don't even want to say the yeah. Lions. <laughs> that was, your, that that was your only year there, right? Like you that, was on, that. that was my only year there. Um, but but I talk about it all the time because, you know, I look at it, and I didn't really want to go to the Lions, and they weren't that bad the year before. I mean, well, they went 8-8, eight and eight, but I believe they lost their last eight games. I think they did. <laughs> I think they won their first eight, and I think, and lost their last eight. Or they right. went 6 and two. Something, something yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something crazy. But I, I didn't want to go there, but I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go make the best of the situation. This is what my life going to be. Uh, then, but 0-16 comes, and again, guess who's calling my agent, you know, asking about me is Bill Belichick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the greatest coaches to ever mm-hmm. coach. You know what I yep. mean? So, um, so it's like, you know, it was written to be that way. Yep. Uh, you know, did I want to be on that team? You know, <laughs> did Calvin Johnson want to be on that team? Absolutely yeah, not. Bro. Right. But it was the case, and, and you just had to put your best foot forward. And, and it wasn't like every single game I sat up there and, and gave my all. I remember mm-hmm. one time, I promise you, and this is going back to the Thanksgiving game. People was like, Lee, why you practicing so hard? I was like, because we about to be on television. Like, right. I'm not about to get embarrassed on mm-hmm. television, on national television. <laughs> on <laughs> Thanksgiving. <laughs> on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm doing that. All right, folks, just another quick break, but make sure you stay with us to hear Lee talk about which receivers in today's game he'd like to cover most and also how he views himself after he does good versus quote-unquote, all-time receivers. Super interesting perspective. So don't go anywhere. Walkie Talkies podcast. We'll be right back. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. 
I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. And we're back. This is Walkie Talkie's podcast on the College Athletes Network, featured on iHeartRadio. Please make sure you're subscribed and downloaded so you don't miss any episodes. Maybe even leave a review. That'd be super appreciated as well. And make sure you stay to the very end so you can hear Lee Bodden's commencement speech about his life in a rap. Really good stuff down there at the end. But let's get through the rest of this conversation because I know we're all enjoying it. And then just make sure you stay at the end. This was your friendly reminder. All right. Time for me to shut up. Bring Lee back in. Um, what current receiver would you love to guard in the NFL right now? Um, obviously like, uh, Devonte Adams, uh, mm-hmm. Hopkins, uh, even, uh, what's my guy from, uh, Hill from Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill. I would have loved it, you know, because I just wanted to guard all the best. Right. And like I told you when I was younger, it's like, I stepped in the gym and like, who's the best, mm-hmm. you know? So then you don't have to call me the best, but what I did with the best I, I played very, very well against the best. So that has to mean that I'm considered the best as well. You don't have, nobody has to say it. No sports writer has to say it, but I know if y'all telling me he's the best, if I faced him and did good, then that means I'm considered, I should be considered one of the best. So I would say those guys right now, Hopkins, you know, um, Adams. Who in your nine years do you think you checked the best? Like, was it Randy Moss? Was it, Terrell Owens, uh, Chad Ochocinco, like who? Chad, Chad Ochocinco. Um, and and it's not to say, I mean, one game, he had a great game against me, but for the most part, um, I played very well against him. And to me, he's a, a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I had a great game against, uh, uh, what's my guy's name? Damn, I don't know why I drew a blank. Marvin Harrison. You know, um, oh, from my Colts. I was a big Colts yeah, fan from back the Colts, in the day. I, and, I was, and I was with Detroit. I mean, you, you can mm-hmm. go back and, you know, people could watch the film mm-hmm. and see. Um, and again, you can look at the stats. I mean, he had like two catches for, you know, I don't even know. Um, but Dallas Clark actually killed us that game too. But that's <laughs> I know. But, but I would say um, I had good games against Andre Johnson too. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, did I, I, did, I ain't Darrell Revis them, you know what I mean? Right. But um, I held my own. And, and to be honest, sometimes that goes with the defense. You know what I mean? I can't really, we're not a man to man all the time, but the times that I had man to man, you know, I won more than I lost or, you know, maybe it was even, you know what I mean? Right. Um, but, uh, or, or if I lost more, you know, then, you know, it's right there, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't where somebody just was killing me all game. Uh, but I was just always wanting to play against the best again, the C, Yep. I stood up against, you know, I was my own sports writer. You know what I mean? I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, Lee, you did well. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, I didn't That's need awesome. nobody's, you know, um, article to say Lee's the best, you know, and I get that respect from those guys off the field. In the mm-hmm. offseason, I used to see him and, and I got respect from him. And even to this day, when, when Chad talks about me um, or talks and they ask, you know, what, and they ask him a lot, like what corner, um, was in your era that uh, was really, really good that didn't get that much 
much recognition. And he would always say me. And they would ask him who was like a tough cover that, you know, nobody, you know, really knows. And, and he would say my name too. So it's just getting the respect from, yeah. from those, but from your peers, mm-hmm. from the coaches. You know what I mean? That's really what I did it for. I didn't really need no sports writers or fans to love me. For sure. It was just the respect uh, from those guys. So last two, obviously a retired NFL veteran. And I want to know, this is a little two-parter. What's a guy retired at 30 after your recovery, make a bunch of money? You're literally only 30 years old. Like, what do you what do you do on an everyday basis? I'm sure for an extended period of time, you got to just be chilling. And then chilling. You're, you're like, you know, I got to do something. I want to do something. So what is, what is a guy at 30 years old doing after making a ton of money in the league? Nah, that's exactly what it is. You know, you just chilling because and but like you said, you spent all your life doing this. So it's like, shit, what else do I do? You know, who else am I? Um, mm-hmm. And when you have a lot of money, that's really what you do as far as work. You work for the money to be able to retire so you cannot do nothing. You know what <laughs> I mean? But, but but you're 30 and you got your whole rest of your life. So you chill for a little bit. Then it's like, man, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. You know, so you just start trying to figure out what you like, what you enjoy, because like everyone says, uh, when you do something that you love, it's never a job. So you don't want a job right. again because I just put the work in to be able to make all this money. I don't really want to work anymore. You know what I mean? So, so, but, but what can you do again as a job or as work that's just as enjoyable as mm-hmm. football was? So you just find that um, I opened up a gym uh, because I, I like helping people, like I said, right. and health goals, fitness goals. And just, I know that fitness and health goes a long way with the mindset you know, that we mm-hmm. talked about uh, earlier. And so it was just wanting to get, um, those people to have the right mindset in uh, the community that I was uh, or close to the community that I was raised in, uh, giving them a gym that was uh, low cost, but um, it was, you know, great amenities and a great facility. So I did that for like, you know, five years, six years, right before the pandemic. And then, but then I traveled, to be honest, like I, I went and traveled the world. So I want to follow up quickly. I know I keep saying last question, but who no, knows? That's good. I, I don't even good. give a shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, you opened up three retro fitness chains. You put like a 1.2 million of your own money into that. And I read that you were going to just reinvest the profit back into the business, probably not put much of your own money back into it. Um, so you don't do that anymore. You said you did it for five years up until the pandemic. Like you're, have you kind of segued out of that? Yeah, yeah, I did. I segued okay. out of that. And so I'm, I'm out of that completely. Um, and now I, I do real estate. I have some properties in DC and in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So I do that. Um, and that's not something that I have to, you know, I have a pro- property manager, so they take care of that. And, and we go at the end of the year and, you know, talk about everything that we need to do, either reinvest money or anything we need to do as far as structurally to the, the place. And so, so I just, you know, like the freedom of uh, not necessarily clocking into a job or, or just, uh, you know, with the gym, it, it was a lot because I had to, in a sense, man, you had to babysit some people, you know what I mean? Um, and, and that didn't have the mindset that I had. And it, it's difficult to adopt or them to adopt the mindset that I have because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you would have a few guys and a few people, but the staff needs to adopt it. And, um, you know, it, it really wasn't the case. And, and I didn't want to, you know, um, well, one, with the pandemic, uh, was going on and, and two it was just you know hard to find you know the right people to be able 
to to do that job because like i was telling my friend just the other day these aren't people that want to this isn't their career necessarily you know they just want a job you know what i mean so it's like they don't they can care less about it you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying so yeah um, but but it was fun nonetheless uh and it was something you know i did and 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 i wanted to learn how to to be honest i wanted to learn how to uh, start a business uh from like the ground up and i knew i would have to do that or to make the least mistakes i would have to go with a, an already established business to be a, a franchisee um, to kind of follow their blueprint on what to do and how to do it. And so that just helped me uh, just to have some knowledge on how to do it if I wanted to do it on my own or do any, you know, um, build any business on my own. Did you kind of wait until the end of your career to really like invest your money into like, whether it was stocks, real estate, buying businesses? Like, did you do any of that while you were making that money or was it just like, put it in a savings account and then I'm going to, you know, play with this money when I, when I retire. Well, um, it was put in a savings account first, but then, uh, my money was mostly in the market. I didn't do any outside investing mm-hmm. because, uh, that's really get handed my money to somebody and I don't know really what they're doing. Uh, so I put most of my money like in the stock market, bonds, stocks and bonds right. to let it grow. Uh, and then so I can, you know, when I'm done, mm-hmm. possibly whatever I get into now, I can uh, be at the head of it and understand where my money's going, what it what it's doing, who's doing this, who's doing that. And to just you know take hold of my money uh, instead of just giving it to somebody and just letting them go uh, without me having any type of, uh, I want to say, input in, right. in what's going on. Okay, this is literally the last one, I swear to God. So coolest thing you've ever bought. Doesn't have to be the most expensive, but like coolest thing you own that maybe you use with a car, piece of jewelry, uh, an amenity in your house. Coolest thing you bought. Yeah, I mean, I would just, it comes to mind like a Ferrari. You know, <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and the crazy thing about it, that is... In 2010, this Ferrari California came out and I had it. It was on the cover of a magazine. I still got this magazine to this day. It might be somewhere in my office somewhere. <laughs> um, but I put it on my coffee table. I could I could afford it then, but I just, you know, I just didn't feel like I needed to buy it at that time. But I was like, man, I'm gonna get this car because it was a I always loved convertibles and this and I like hard top convertibles. And it was it wasn't many hard top convertibles, but this one was. And so, but I, so I bought it like maybe five years later, you know, 2015, I think I bought it. And so I love it, you know, because again, it's a hard top, it's a convertible, mm-hmm. um, I can drive it whenever, wherever. Uh, so, and still I got it? Probably, oh yeah, yeah, still got it. They ain't going okay. nowhere. Yeah, that, no. It's, it's, I don't know if you know Ferris Bueller, you, you know that yeah, uh-huh. movie. Yep. So that car is the California, Ferrari, California. Okay. They just re, um, you know, made it, you know, kind of yeah. obviously, Spiced it up a little bit. times, yeah, yeah, and so that's that's the California. Yeah, man, that's tough. You gotta take me for a spin in that one day. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, when you come to DC, if you come to DC, sure. man, we go, man. Uh, all right, man, that's a wrap. Lee Bodden, nine-year NFL veteran. I appreciate you sharing your mentality, your growth mindset, and just what what it took to sustain this long of an NFL career and make the money you did, and and just like inspire the people you've inspired along the way. And you know, I, I appreciate you sharing your story and just. You know, being willing to come on the show, it's been hard to, especially people of your caliber, you know, 
professional former professional athlete like helping a kid out like me i only started this podcast like i'm 11 weeks in i started in early september so for you to be one of my first 25 guests i I really couldn't thank you enough so appreciate you man no man i appreciate you and it's good that you know what you're doing and like you said i mean duquesne obviously in love man but you know to be able to, to do this man on your own and start this and just try to uplift people and, and just put out content and and just this is you know obviously something that you want to do and so i always want to support people uh that you know have dreams and and that start something you know and and want to see it through and finish it and and i'm again if i gotta come on again and we can talk about something else man i, I will yeah. but, but now nah, i appreciate you for having me and just continue success with you and um this podcast man thank you brother appreciate it I was a little nervous to come up to you at the at the gym because I'm like, bro, this this fucking dude don't want to. You don't want to have like, you know, like, and and that's what, like you said, the delusional confidence. Like, I mean, yeah, you would think somebody uh, may say no, but listen, you gotta ask, you know, for I, me to I, say no. I kept like when I asked you that question about like, what do you feed your mind for that delusional confidence? Like in those moments, like a couple years ago, I would have shied away. But I've just instilled in my mind, like, closed mouth, don't get fed, man. I got to go. I'm going to just walk. Like, I don't, I've been denied plenty of times. Closed mouth, don't get fed. Yo, you want to be on my podcast? (laughs) I I couldn't think twice about it, you know? Yeah, and most, and and that's what you got to do. And that's how, you know, you're successful. You know what I'm saying? That's how you get people on. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, if they say no, they say no. But shit, I mean, if they may say yes, but you'll never know if you'll never ask. You know what I mean? And so- doing that like you said changing your mindset and that's how i was even at a young age i mean we didn't talk about this but my my freshman year i was nervous i didn't even go out for the football team because i did have that and i probably should have shared that i wish i i would have because it was um again it was a part of my commencement speech and it told my whole life um my commencement speech in like two minutes it was like a rap um and i was actually going to do it in front of the team but i didn't do it just because i felt like i was talking too much i you know what i'm saying um, no, they needed but, to hear that shit. Yeah, but and maybe I'll, I'll just do it even on here and you could just even piece it together. But, okay, cool. but just before that, my ninth grade year, I was nervous to go out for the team just because DeMatha is one of the top high schools here for sports. So I was like, man, I was thinking, man, what, am I good enough? You know what I mean? I was like a little nervous to, to go out and play. So I, so I didn't even go out. But then I was like, man, basketball though, I try to go out because I knew I was nice in basketball. But then I didn't get the grades, so I didn't get a chance. And then I got to a point was, I was like, man, am I good enough to even play with them? You know. So, but then that next year, I was like, ain't no way. I don't give a hell. I'm going out. You know. And so that's why I went out for the sophomore team with JV. But that's when I didn't play that much, and I was upset. And, um, and then basketball, I got academic probation again, so I didn't um, get to try out for basketball. So I was like, man, shit, I gotta go to a different school. So. That's kind of, again, like you said, just shifting my mindset, like, man, fuck being scared of whatever. Like, is, is this what you want, Lee? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If it is, then go all the way. You know what I mean? And that's what, like you said, like, if this is what you want, man, ask him. You know what I mean? Fuck, fuck if you say no, you whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah, I would have I lived, I would have lived, you know? I would have been, yeah, I would have been, exactly. right. I'd have been bummed, but I'd have been like, all right, on to Which, the next guy. Who the hell on is On to the next guy, on? right. You know what I'm saying? And you really so, weren't even a walk-on. Like, you kind of, 
I don't know. I guess the times were different back then. But like, like I said on the show, like you didn't get your shit paid for. So technically you were a walk on. And I, I was like, yo, when you right when you said non-scholarship, I was like, because you said yeah. it right in the beginning. I was like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to listen to everything that this this guy has to say. But I know exactly what the fuck I'm doing when 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 this huddle breaks. <laughs> right. There you go. You had your mind made up. And that's what you and then not only did you have your mind made up, but then you actually followed through with what was in your mind. And that's what people don't do. They, mm-hmm. they have it in their mind, but they something takes it out of it. You know what I'm saying? But you got to execute what's in your mind and then, you know, see what happens after that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. No. So, so I was going to say, um, and maybe you could shit even play this for the team. It's on, it's online. So, Mm -hmm. but I, I'm just going to say it anyway, just, just because, right. So, so here it go. So figuring out what you want to be in life is a struggle. For me, it all changed once I stepped inside the huddle. As a kid, I never did it for the fortune of fame. I did it for the respect and the love for the game. The love got a little tainted once I hit the 10th grade. A sophomore at the math of man, your boy barely played. They threw me in in the fourth quarter as the final whistle blew. Had me questioning myself, like, this is what you want to do? I was unhappy and my grades went down. I knew it wouldn't get better until another school was found. Northwestern came in the picture and gave me every opportunity. Around the same time, I started speaking to God fluently. And he gave me two rules. He said, believe in yourself and let everything be fuel. I went on to be MVP in both respective sports. I thought it didn't matter because I was in no sports writer's thoughts. They didn't recognize me as one of the best at my position. So listening to God's number two rule, I will make that my mission. I landed at Duquesne where I broke every record. Football track, even in the NCAA section. Number one or number two on all of those lists. So it's no way the NFL could pass up on this. But draft day came, name wasn't even selected. I had so much faith, ego not affected. I signed with the Browns as a free agent and spent two years as the starter's replacement. The third year came and I thought it was the charm. I started opening day I could have swore I was on. But two weeks later, in three games straight, I sat on the sideline and didn't even dress. Outside, I didn't care, but inside, I was a mess. I re-spoke to God, and he said it was a test. He said, be strong, don't stop, you the best. I started the last 10 games. I can't believe it. He was right. I signed million-dollar deals, man, my future looking bright. The next six years, I started for every team. I retired, opened a gym. Now I'm starting another dream. I know to be successful, I got to keep the same tools and always remembering his two golden rules. Believe in yourself and let everything be fuel. And that's it. You know, so that's pretty much my whole life, bro. You know what I'm saying? In a, in a rap. What a vibe. What a vibe, man. Thanks to Lee coming on the show. He, you know, he conquered the journey in every facet and it's just the epitome of the ultimate underdog uh you know i really enjoyed this whole process with lee and putting together this script and just being able to interview him uh, i thought it came out really well uh so i do just want to say thanks again to my guy lee bottom for coming on uh, i left his social medias in the description below as well so you can find those there uh as for next week next week we'll mark the start of brand new 
walkie talkies content and interviews so stay tuned and as always my last two favors before we sign off is to please leave the show a rating and a small comment and tell us how you feel that can be done on the apple podcasts app under the show it would really really help it's very big for the show uh when we get reviews and stars you can start whatever the hell you want man Um, no hard feelings. If you didn't like it, fine. But please just go leave those reviews. And lastly, make sure you are subscribed and downloading the episodes on the iHeartRadio app or whichever app you listen to your podcasts on so you don't miss any. All right, Walkie Talkie. See you next week. And remember, couple some cute. Walkie Talkies is a production of iHeartRadio and the College Athletes Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.